So we are going to continue the Sermon on the Mount this morning. So we're reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not first swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. We want to take some time to pray together. Father, we thank you so much um, this morning that you are here with us. We thank you for the privilege of, that is ours, Lord, that we get to come and worship the King of Kings. Father, we thank you for the God that you are, that you are loving and faithful and good. And Lord, we thank you the hope, for the hope that you have set before us, that one day we will get to be with you forever. And Lord, we will live in a place where there is no sin or no pain or no death. And Lord, that you will um, take our sin totally away. Father, we pray that as we wait for that day, Lord, as we wait for the time when we get to live in the new heaven and the new earth, Lord, that you will be with us. And Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, for many in our church and in our world who are hurting. And Father, I pray for those in our church family who are finding things hard at the minute. Lord, I pray that you be their strength. Father, we thank you that you are at work in us always, Lord. But for those who are so, so suffering right now, Lord, for those who are living with the constant turmoil of war, especially in Ukraine, Lord, we pray that you intervene there and help them. Father, those who are coming to terms with the devastating effects of the earthquake in Morocco, Lord, and trying to rebuild their lives around that, we pray that you would be close to them, that they would look to you, Lord, and that they would get what they need, Lord. Father, we pray for many, many migrants across our continent, especially right now. Lord, we pray um, that they would have homes, Lord, and places to feel that they can belong. Father, we thank you so, so much for your church, and we thank you that we get to meet freely here this morning. But Lord, we pray for the underground church. We pray this morning for those who can't meet freely, Lord, but who are still fighting to do so. Lord, I thank you for how you're at work in lives there. I thank you for how you're saving people. And Lord, we pray that you be their strength and their support. And continue to save many, Lord. 
Father, I want to pray as well this morning for Dunc Duncan and Becky as they um, continue in their church plant in South Dublin. Lord, we pray that you would continue to equip them with others who will be their help and support and walk with them in this journey. Lord, we pray that a great work will be done there through that new church plant. So, Father, as we sit here this morning, as a privileged people, as those who get to call ourselves children of the living God, Father, I pray that you will help our hearts to be open to your word, that you will come and speak to us by your spirit. And Father, I pray for John as he speaks to us. Lord, I pray that you um, just take over for him right now and help him and give him the strength he needs. And Lord, that you speak to us this morning. We are expectant from you, Lord. And we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Julie. Uh, so we come to this section of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're following along in the ESV uh, or whatever Bible you have in front of you, you probably have a, a title above it just saying Oaths. Uh, and so that's where we are this morning, verse 33 through to verse 37. If I was to ask you what comes to mind or what you think about the breaking down of biblical values in society today, I wonder what would first come to mind. Possibly some would think it is uh, we have lost any sort of sanctity for human life. The stark reality of the number of abortions there are per year is a grim reminder of that fact. Um, but the case could be made for many other things. The case could be made for, uh, as I briefly mentioned last week, about marriage and about, about the, the, the redefinition or the, the attempt to redefine marriage. Some would say that is the main thing at the moment. That's the main thing that is being undermined, the biblical value that is being undermined in our society today. And there's a list of things that people could possibly say as they think about this undermining of biblical values in our culture that would come to the top of your list. And we're probably all different when it comes to that. But maybe, maybe, it is possibly simply the greatest biblical value that we've lost is this, simply telling the truth. simply telling the truth. The very simplistic act of speaking truth. I used to work with a fella who would have made this statement regularly about people. It's almost as if you would spit the truth out to get telling a lie. My granny Mullen used to say to me, and I'm sure you've heard this said to you by either parents or grandparents, uh, tell the truth and shame the devil. There you go. You know it. Tell the truth and shame the devil. That was her way of saying, and that saying's way of saying, that by simply telling the truth, you're doing what God wants you to do, 
And by the very nature of it, you're putting the devil in his place by simply telling the truth. And this section that we're looking at today is Jesus talking about the importance of honesty and integrity in speech, in what we say. Another cliche for you, but another cliche that is true, is this, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And one thing that the Christian, the follower of Jesus, needs to do, or needs to attempt to do, is make sure that their words correspond with their actions. There are a few things, I would go as far to say, there are a few, there, there are a few things more important than the Christian maintaining a Christian reputation than simply telling the truth. Simply speaking the truth about what you do, what you're going to do, and what you've done. Simply telling the truth. Jesus opens up here again and says, again, you've heard it said. Another one of these six sayings of Jesus, you have heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus says, you have heard it said that it was said to those of old, you shall never swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. As I say, this verse follows a similar pattern from the previous verses in this section. Uh, he, he begins, Jesus begins by pointing out what the scribes and Pharisees have either restricted the law to or misinterpreted the law or what they've done, and then he's going on to tell them what the real meaning behind the law actually is. But the reality is that, that in the Old Testament law, there were provisions for making oaths. There were provisions for making promises. Here in verse 33, Jesus presents a summary of several Old Testament passages relating to taking oaths. For example, Leviticus 19, do not swear falsely by, the name, by, by my name and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Exodus 20, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So there was provision made for making oaths. Read Numbers, Numbers 30. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything that he said. And so the Old Testament actually makes provision for these promises or for these oaths in God's name. And that's really important as we go through this passage to remember that. They are made in, in the Old Testament, they are to be made in God's name. So, what was the problem for the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Well, I briefly mentioned this last, last week, but like all humans, the Pharisees and the Sadducees looked at the law said what the law, seen what the law said, and looked for loopholes. Looked for ways out. Looked for ways to, 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 to say that they were sticking to the law, but not really. You see, there was nothing wrong with the teaching in and of itself. As I say, the law had made provision for, for oaths. 
But the problem was that just as with murder, just as with adultery, just as with every other law in the Old Testament, the Pharisees and the Sadducees began to look for a way out. The problem was with these loopholes. The problem was with manipulation. The problem was with deception. And if you want a, if you want a real good handle on what the Pharisees and the Sadducees actually, uh, how they manipulated, how they looked for loopholes, go to Matthew 23. Matthew 23 will give you an outline of what happens there and what the Pharisees and the Sadducees actually did. They always looked for various maneuvers away from the law. And the Pharisees did something similar with the Old Testament commands on keeping your oath. They taught people, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. And they focused on that phrase, made to the Lord. Keep your oaths made to the Lord. But here's the manipulation. Here's the, the loophole. You don't have to keep your oath if you've made it to one another or to another object. And Jesus sees this. And of course, people will catch on pretty quickly. Here's a way out. Here's a way out. They would make it sound like they were making an oath to the Lord when in their minds and in their actual speech they weren't. And so it became this game to them. How can I trick you into thinking that I'm making an oath to the Lord and that I'm going to keep my promises, but I'm actually not making an oath to the Lord. I'm making an oath to an object or something else, but you think I'm making an oath to the Lord and I will not keep my promise to you. We all probably know people who play this game. And when you challenge them on what they've actually said, they can regurgitate it in such a way that sounds completely legit. Well, I, well, what I said was actually this. And they can turn it and phrase it and put a tone on it that makes it sound legitimate. It is devious and it is manipulation. And in the next few verses, Jesus is going to give us some actual real-life examples of how they played this game. But first of all, Jesus just lays down his own response to this manipulation of the truth. Again, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Just don't do it. Even though the Old Testament allowed for it, oath to the Lord, and you're, you're commanded to keep your oath to the Lord, Jesus said, it'd be better, just, just don't do it at all. Just don't swear by anything. And here he goes to the heart of the issue again. Jesus goes to the heart of the issue and is taking away every crutch, every means by which manipulation can be used. And he said, just don't do it at all. And here's the reasons why. Because an oath, ironically, actually weakens the truth. An oath, ironically, actually weakens the truth. The irony here is that oaths are meant to strengthen the truth, but they actually end up weakening the truth. 
Morgan wrote, an oath is always a revelation of a possibility of deceit. An oath is always a revelation of a possibility of deceit. Think about it. The only reason oaths exist is because lies exist. There would be no need for oaths if lies did not exist. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, The Old Testament condemned the lie by the use of the oath, but Jesus destroys the lie by forbidding oaths altogether. The Old Testament, let me read that again. The Old Testament condemned the lie by the use of the oath, but Jesus destroys the lie by forbidding oaths altogether. The oath must go, since it is the protection of the lie. So Jesus says, don't use an oath at all. Don't swear by anything. Don't do it. One, because it actually, it actually protects or weakens, it protects a lie and weakens the truth. But secondly, this, God always hears what you say anyway. God hears what you say. God always is witness to what we say. And in these next verses, Jesus absolutely destroys the Pharisees' little game of manipulation. Look at verse 34 and 36. But I said, you do not make an oath at all, either by the heavens, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of Jerusalem, or, or, by, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the king, or by your head, because you can't make one her white or black, although it has not stopped some of you trying. Do you see what he's saying? Here Jesus exposes some of the real life actual ways in which the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to manipulate this, the, these oaths that God said, yes, you can make an oath, swear by the Lord in the Old Testament to the Lord. And here in the New, and Jesus is saying, here's some of the actual real life ways. I am pinpointing the ways in which you manipulate these oaths. You say something like, well, I swear to heavens. That sounds religious. But it is not an oath to the Lord. And so you can manipulate your way out of that one by saying, I didn't swear to the Lord, I swore to the heavens. And therefore, that gets me out. or I swear by heaven and earth, or I swear by Jerusalem. You can count on me. I swear on my own head. Basically, that is the, the reference here is used to I swear on my life. How many of us say that? Swear on my life. That's what he said. Swear on my life. And Jesus says, don't do it at all. It is manipulation. Jesus will have none of these games when it comes to the truth. He says, you, can, you think you can swear by heaven and earth? You think you can swear by Jerusalem? You think you can swear by your own head and get away with it? No. No. 
And he uses these examples. If you swear by heaven, it is God's dwelling place. If you swear by the earth, it is his footstool. And if you swear by Jerusalem, it is his city. He is everywhere. He's everywhere. We have similar sayings. Cross my heart and hope today. Stick a needle in my. Just so. We just brought up in the country at all. Jesus says you can't swear by your head because you've no control over it. You've no control. This is Jesus' way of saying just to the control freaks amongst us. Forget about it. You're not in control. I am. I am. You can't change anything. While you live or while you die, while you have gray hair, black hair, while you are bald or not bald, whatever, it's not in your control. Don't swear by it. You can't do anything about it. So what Jesus is saying in these verses is this. This is very important, folks. You cannot escape God in your words. You cannot escape God in your words. You cannot remove God from the equation. You cannot blank him out. There are no place you can go. There are no hiding you can do. He hears every single word you say. Pharisees were trying to make this system to seem like they were making an oath. We're not fooling anyone. Jesus says, God is always a witness to what you say, whether you call on him as witness or not. And therefore, Jesus says, don't swear at all. One, because it actually weakens the truth. Two, because he sees it all anyway. Folks, we need to remember this. God hears all our words. And Jesus goes one step further. And Jesus says, we will give an account for every careless word we have spoken. Let me read the verses to you. Matthew twelve thirty three to 37. A tree is known by its fruit. Either make the tree good, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Speaking to the Pharisees again, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Though, just like pause, I'm, I'm not finished with this point yet, but let's just pause there. 
Those are some of the most chilling words in Scripture. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So every wrong word, every lie, every harsh word comes from where? What's in here? What's in here? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. Here's the words. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Now, if those words of Jesus don't make us sit up, take notice, and think about the words we say, I do not know what will. The lies we have told, the harsh words said out of an angry heart, Jesus says, we will give an account. So he says, keep it really simple. Keep it really simple. Look at verse 37. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Yes or no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that, anything more than that comes from evil. Your yes or no should be sufficient. What is Jesus saying here? Yes, First of all, let your yes be yes and your no, your no should be sufficient. If you need to add anything to your words to make them more credible, it throws doubt over your words full stop. There can be no double standards when it comes to telling the truth. The truth is the truth and the lie is the lie. No oaths are necessary when you tell the truth. Think about it. If another person has to ask you, do you promise? then there's an issue. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're not going to do something, don't do it. Jesus is calling his... Remember what this is. Remember what the Sermon on the Mount is. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' manifesto to the church. Jesus is telling the, the church the way of the kingdom. This is the way of my kingdom. And so if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we're going to be ones who tell the truth. We're going to let the yes be yes, the no be no. This is the way of the kingdom. If you are a person of integrity, then your yes should be sufficient. And your no should be sufficient. 
And Jesus says, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Why does he say that? Because Satan is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. Jesus said this about Satan. When he lies, he speaks in his native tongue. For he is a liar and the father of lies. John 8. Satan is the father of lies, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When we speak the truth, we follow Jesus. When we lie or deceive, we follow Satan. And Jesus says the best way to avoid all this is to keep it simple. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of such integrity that no one will ever doubt your yes or your no. So, conclusions, you'll be like, What do we take? That doesn't mean I'm finished. Uh, you know when I say conclusions, that means there's another 15 minutes at least. No. Uh, what do we take away from Jesus' words here this morning? Well, they are very, very simple words. Again, through the Sermon on the Mount, I have commented and I've prayed over and over again. The reason these words are hard for us to hear is because they are simple to understand. It's not like we're going digging for some like, special meaning beyond the text, which there is none anyway. They're hard to hear because they're simple to understand. One, be truthful in your speech. Seems pretty simple. Be truthful in your speech. Proverbs 12 says this, The Lord detests lying lips. But He delights when men are truthful. That means no lying, no exaggerating, which is a manipulation of the truth, how many of us are prone to that? Exaggeration, blowing things out of proportion, adding bits on that aren't there. I, I'm right. I'm moving. I'm moving away. Uh, right. I am completely and utterly confused sometimes by humanity, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you for why. I hear things. Right. Someone tells me something, and I know the truth. Right. And someone tells me something else. And I'm like, literally, someone has made that up. Like, made it up and told it to someone else. What does be wrong with people? Have they nothing to do? Like, literally, made something up and told it to someone else. 
Get yourself a hobby. Knitting or something. Like, no exaggeration. No distorting or shading of the truth. Well, I'll tell a half story. If you're going to tell advice, again, I probably should move away. A bit of advice. If you're going to tell a half story, don't tell any story. Keep it simple. If you're going to tell a half story, tell no story. I am sick of hearing half stories. Such and such said this about such and such. But I can't tell you who it was or when it happened or what was said. I don't care then. I don't care. Don't tell me. Speaking the truth is necessary. Thomas Fuller, if I speak what is false, I must answer for it. If truth, the answer will come to me. So first thing, be truthful in your speech. Second, be careful what you promise. Be careful what you promise. Ecclesiastes 5 says this, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. As I said, God is always witness to what we say, so we need to be careful to what we promise. That takes consideration. That takes thinking forward. That takes looking forward to see the obstacles in the way to what I might be saying and a bit of consideration before I jump in. And if I can't do it, say no. Here's, right, Jesus has just given you the ultimate permission to say no. No. I'm not doing it. And I won't be pressured into it. And I won't be cajoled into it. No. If you don't think you should do it, don't do it. Say no. Feels like I'm talking to like 11 year olds at school or something. Just say no. Just say no. Think about the promises we make before we make them. And always leave room. This is, this is good. This is really good, actually. Always leave room. And I don't mean you have to say a DV, all right? But always make room for if God wills. Always make room for if God wills. There doesn't need to be DVWP. God willing, while permitting, just in case you missed that before. There doesn't need to, you don't need to say it, but always make sure you leave room for it when you're making a promise. Because as Jesus says here, we cannot make one white hair black or black hair white. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. So don't be making promises about tomorrow that you don't know that you can keep. 
One, be truthful in your speech. Two, be careful what you promise. Three, be faithful in following through. Psalm 15 says, He whose walk is blameless, who speaks the truth from his heart, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, he who does these things will never be shaken. Speak the truth from your heart, and once you've given your word, do what you said you're going to do. A wee word, a wee particular word to the businessmen out there amongst you, uh, or anyone who, who, who has, a, who has a, an occupation where there's a deal to be done. Once you promise something, stick to that promise. The amount of times I hear of businessmen who call themselves Christians saying they'll do something for something for a certain price, and then it comes back and it's not that price. Shocking. Now, I know there could be many circumstances around that, but make sure you explain the circumstances around that if it changes. Follow through on what you've said. And here's why. Your reputation is not on the line. The reputation of Christ is on the line. Follow through. And here's my fourth conclusion. And this will affect quite a lot of people. Just speak less. Just say less. The amount of frivolous, nonsensical nonsense that is talked for no reason. Just say less. Just say less. James says, be slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Quick to listen. There is an abundance of wisdom in that. An abundance of wisdom in just saying less. So, of course, there is not one person in this room, not one person that does not fall short in this area. Not one. If you think, or if you can come to me afterwards and you say, John, you know what? I am truthful in all my words. I speak the truth at all times. I don't exaggerate. I have never, I've never told a half story. I've never. But if you if you want to come to me afterwards and tell me that, I will quickly tell you that you're a liar. 
we all fall short to some degree in these areas. We all do. And this, again, is one where we just need to turn to the cross. We need to plead His grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again wrote, The cross is God's truth about us. And therefore, it is the only power that can make us truthful. The cross is God's truth about us. When we look at the cross, we see who we are. When we look at Jesus suffering, bleeding, dying for us, we see who we are because He would have no need to have done that if if we aren't the way we are. If we didn't tell lies, if we didn't tell mistruths, if we didn't exaggerate, if we didn't do all these things, if we didn't swear by our heads or swear by the heavens or do all these things that Jesus says we do, we wouldn't need the cross. But we do. Desperately. It is only through God's grace that we can be forgiven. It is only by His grace that we can be given be forgiven for our falsehoods, our lies, our exaggerations, and all of the above. And it is only through His help that we can endeavor to live lives that are worthy, as Paul says, worthy of the gospel. By people of integrity who tell the truth. It is only by His help. You don't have that in you. I don't have it in me. If you think for one second you have a natural inclination to tell the truth, you are deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. Your natural inclination outside of Christ is to be a liar. We see that right back in the garden. It is only through the Spirit and the help of the Spirit that we are enabled to be truth-tellers, to walk in the light and to live as Christ would have us live. And so we need to plead for that. Every single day, we get up in the mornings And we say, thank you for your mercy afresh today. And we plead for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us for the next five minutes. And then again, the next five minutes. And then the next five minutes. And then the next five minutes. And it is every single day, walk. Every single minute, walk. Every single day, pleading for the power of the Spirit to come upon us and make us the people that Christ wants us to be. Without that, we're done. We're done. We think we can walk, genuinely, if we think we can walk this, the Christian life that God calls us to walk for five minutes on our own, given five minutes, we'll probably do something that will screw it up completely. We need Him desperately. And so we look to the cross. We see His grace. 
and we plead for his mercy again. Let me pray for us. Father, it is these words of King Jesus that you have put in your word, your infallible, inerrant word. It is these words that, that as the book of Acts talks about, cuts us to the heart, exposes who we are. And so, Father, we pray now for a a genuine conviction of the Spirit. Not us just feeling bad about ourselves, but the Holy Spirit of God convicting us of our sin, leading us to repentance, and putting our faith again in King Jesus to cover our sins. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Help that to be our cry, Lord. In Jesus' name.